Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, morning, afternoon, everybody, wherever you are, depending on where you listen to this at, and a happy Rusev Day from your new United States champion. I would like to thank you guys all for listening to my podcast throughout the year. I've got some great stuff coming up in 2019 that I'm going to be putting out. But today, a very special New Year's Eve Day edition of the show about the show. Trying to make my way through the beat writers and baseball and get every team covered. Today, we hit on the most active free agent team in baseball so far for the American League West. And that would be the Anaheim Angels. I'm going to be joined shortly by their beat writer, Jeff Fletcher of the of the Orange County of the uh, of the Orange County Register, and he will join us. And we're going to talk about we're going to talk about kind of a kind of an upheaval actually for the Angels. They have a brand new manager for the first time in over 20 years, or almost 20 years. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about Shohei Otani's injury, his Tommy John surgery. We're going to talk about Mike Trout winning, or Mike Trout being the best player in baseball. We're going to get his thoughts on the Hall of Fame. And we're also going to talk free agency. So without any further ado, I am honored and pleased to bring in Jeff Fletcher. How are you doing today, Jeff? Thanks for joining me. Sure, thanks for having me. Let's just jump right in. You guys have been one of the more active teams in baseball in for free agency. You guys just a few days ago came to terms with Jonathan Lucroy, one-year deal for $3.35 million, according to ESPN. You guys signed Trevor Cahill before Christmas to a – nine million dollar deal for one year and then the big I guess the big kind of headline signing that you guys made was Matt Harvey one year eleven million dollars. So you guys got two big rotation pieces for twenty million dollars. Talk about what those signings um what effect those signings are gonna have on the club because those are two pretty solid guys, especially if Harvey uh can get back to kind of his old ways. Well, I think the Angels basic uh philosophy for the twenty nineteen season was to try to make themselves as good as they can possibly be without really taking any big risks or long-term gambles that affect, you know, 2020 and beyond. Because I think with the state of their farm system and, uh, you know, the state of their payroll without the pools, you know, getting a year closer to, to being off the payroll, I think they feel like their their best window for being a, a very good team is really starts in 2020. So I think 2019 they're just kind of trying to uh, – to get as many short-term upside guys as they possibly could get. And obviously the, uh, you know, Lucroy, Harvey, Kale are all one-year deals. They're all guys that are, you know, hardly sure things, but uh, they all could be 
certainly improvements on what they had, and uh, the cost is reasonable. And I think that that's uh, you know they won 80 games last year. I think if they right now on paper they look like maybe 85 win team, and if they get some breaks and some things go their way and they win 90, then they can make the playoffs. I think that's pretty much what their uh, goal is. And one of the guys they actually lost was Matt Shoemaker, who's a longtime Angels um, pitcher. He signed just recently, I believe it was a day or two ago, with the Blue Jays. He was actually pretty underrated. I mean, he 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 ended up having a 3.76 um, career with the Angels. When you when you look at this rotation, kind of going forward, can you kind of lay out one through five? Um, well, I can tell you what the top five are, but the order that those five would go in is uh, is up for debate. Uh, Tyler Skaggs, okay. Andrew Heaney, uh, Tyler Skaggs, Andrew Heaney, Matt Harvey, Trevor Cahill, and uh, Jaime Berea. Those are the top five. Uh, I think the Angels would love to get 150 starts out of those five guys, and they'd feel pretty good about it. You know, who's going to end up pitching the best out of that group is anybody's guess. I think. Skaggs was really good last year till he got hurt, and I think they feel like he can be, you know, an all-star caliber pitcher. Obviously, Matt Harvey could be that if he comes back, and they saw some signs last year that they think he is returning. And, uh, you know, Cahill, Heaney, Maria, all those guys could be number twos to number fives. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, and Angels GM Billy Epler said right around the time of the winter meetings that they were looking for lots of pitching and a starting catcher. Well, they, as we just talked about, they, they addressed those two needs big time. They also reportedly just fell short on Patrick Corbin and Nate Evaldi, who signed with the Nationals and then with the Redskin, or with the uh, Red Sox as well. You guys also signed an interesting bat. You signed Justin Bohr to a one-year deal. He's a left-handed hitter. He played for the Marlins for most of his career, got traded to the Phillies last year. What's uh, Where does Bourne project kind of on that team? Is he going to be the backup first baseman to Pujols? Is he going to be the DH? Where does he slot in? Well, the situation the Angels have is they have Shohei Otani, who had uh, Tommy John surgery, and he's can only be the DH, but he's probably going to miss the start of the season, and that could be the first week, the first four weeks, the first seven weeks, something in there. Uh, and Albert Pools is also coming off of two surgeries. He had surgery on his knee in uh, the beginning of September, and then he had a minor elbow surgery. So those two guys, both coming off surgery, there's going to be a lot of at-bats uh, to supplement them at first base and DH. So that's basically what Justin Bohr is. Uh, I think, you know, at the very beginning of the year with Otani on the DL, they're probably going to have Bohr at first and Pujols at DH most of the time. Uh, when you have all three guys healthy, then it's going to be a real juggling act for uh, for Brad Osmus. Uh, I think it's going to be very interesting if, if Bohr is outproducing Albert Pujols, if Albert Pujols just becomes a bench player, because up to this point, despite his numbers not being uh, his Pujols level, they still haven't had anybody better to really take playing time from him. So he's still played almost all the time when he's been healthy. But if you have uh, a Bohr producing and Otani producing, you know, then it's going to be very difficult to, to justify Albert Pujols playing ahead of either of those guys if all three are healthy. So it's going to be a very interesting thing to watch this season. 
Alden Gonzalez, one of the ESPN writers, spoke to Brad Osmus, and he was he, he was talking about that exact thing about juggling Albert Pujols and Shohei Otani at DH. And Osmus was quoted as saying, there's going to be a balance. We don't expect Otani to be ready when the season starts. There will be DH uh, at-bats available for Bohr. The the bigger, more delicate balance is how often Pujols can go to first, depending on his knees. That's kind of what you just echoed. So it seems like it's all going to kind of hinge on the health of Pujols and how well Bohr produces, as well as kind of how much time Otani is going to miss. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, they got three guys and uh, for two spots. And, you know, two of those guys are coming off surgery, so that's kind of the uh, the juggling act they have. I would say that probably Bohr is probably not going to DH almost ever because anytime Bohr and Pujols can both play, they're going to want Bohr to play first to, to take the strain off of Pujols' legs. And Pujols, like you said, too, you know, if Bohr outplays him, he could become – the most expensive uh, bench player in the history of baseball. One of the guys that you, one of the guys the Angels added was Trevor Cahill, and he was a really interesting pickup to me. I'm surprised that he only signed for nine million dollars. He was seven and four with a three seven six ERA last year for the for the Athletics. But if you look at his if you look at his ground ball rate, his ground ball rate is astronomically high. Is there a is there a philosophy within the organization to try and get pitchers who who have good ground ball rates, strikeout rates, that kind of thing, or do they get guys who they feel just can kind of help them out? Yeah, that's Billy Upler's big uh, points of emphasis for looking for pitchers is strikeouts and ground balls. He, he feels like those are pretty much you know, and this does not really uh, revolutionary. I think we all can figure out that strikeouts and ground balls are good. But uh, but that's something they really look at beyond you know the ERA and they really like their infield defense. You know they have the best shortstop in the world, Andrelton Simmons. So uh, you know they feel like if they get a guy that can get a lot of ground balls, that they have a chance to be very successful. Of course, the A's also had a probably better infield defense than the Angels last year. I think all four guys were Gold Glove finalists. So you can't necessarily say that KO is going to get better with the Angels defense behind him but uh, he should still have a chance to be good. Yeah, absolutely. The Angels were 80 and 82 last year, so it's not like they fell off the face of the earth. They weren't tanking. Um, Let's talk a little bit about that division. Obviously, you know, you guys have Houston, you have Texas, you have Oakland, and you have Seattle in that division. When you look at that division and you see that, Seattle's been by far the most active in free agency trades in the off season. And then you guys have probably been second most. Uh, what kind of message does that send to players within the organization or maybe free agents where the, where you can say, you know, Hey, we're being active. We're trying to get the guys we want. We want to win and come play for us. And here's what we have to offer. Well, it's kind of a glasses half full, glasses half empty thing. Uh, you could say the Angels have sure added a lot of players, but the Angels have not added any of the, the quote-unquote top guys that, you know, a lot of Angels fans would love to see them sign. You know, they would have liked to see them sign Patrick Corbin or they'd love to see them sign Manny Machado or Bryce Harper. They're not they're not doing any of that. They, had, they tried for Corbin. But they're instead just making a lot of uh, smaller moves that could be really good moves or they might not be good moves. But the uh, as far as the division goes, 
I think that they obviously the Mariners are not going to be a factor, and the Rangers are not going to be a factor. The A's, who uh, won 96 games, I think, last year, their starting rotation is still just a bunch of big holes, and, and they had a great bullpen last year, and bullpens traditionally are very inconsistent, so it's not necessarily a lock you can count on that again. And the Astros have lost three of their starting pitchers from last year, and so far I haven't replaced them. So obviously the Astros are the best team. The Angels have to, to go a ways to, to unseat the Astros. But I don't think the Astros are the kind of team that you write today as we speak here, pencil them in for 100 wins right off the bat because they do have some holes in their rotation. They lost Marwin Gonzalez. doesn't look like it's coming back, and he was a very big key for them. Uh, you know, I think they're, they're going to be the best team, but I, I don't think it's an unreachable goal that the Angels could at least uh, challenge them a little bit. Now, one other guy that we forgot to mention that the Angels acquired this offseason is Tommy LaStella. And he's interesting because he set a Cubs record last year with getting for getting hit by pitches 24 times. Where does he factor in, and will he be getting every day at bats? Um, I think they just see him as a, a utility guy playing all over the place. At the time they got him, they actually said he was going to he was going to play a lot more first base than he'd ever played before. He'd only played one game there before. He'd been a second and third baseman, and they said they wanted him to be prepared to play first base. And that was before they had Justin Borg. So I think at the time they acquired Listella, there was probably a thought that he was going to be, you know, when Otani was out and Pools was DHing that Listella would play first. Now that they have Borg, I think he's just more of a backup, kind of a fill-in all around the infield when somebody gets hurt. Uh, I think they like his on-base percentage. Uh, it's definitely a big thing that they're trying to focus on offensively and his versatility. So I don't see him getting every day at bats anywhere, but I do think that uh, he has a chance to, to fill in a lot. Now, right, right after the season ended, um, Mike Sosha was – it was announced that Mike Sosha would not be coming back to – coach the or to manage the angels he had held the job since the start of the 2000 season 1650 wins a world series title over 19 seasons it was quickly announced that brad osmus was going to be the was going to be the manager that move was announced on october 21st can you talk about that process and then and how they how the team decided that osmus was the best guy for the job well uh, they had hired Brad Osmus a year earlier, right after he got let go by the Tigers to be a special assistant to Billy Epler. So he spent the 12 months sitting next to Billy at games in Anaheim, going on the road through, uh, you know, visiting all the farm teams, kind of sticking his foot in the water in all areas of the organization. So he had a really good idea of how Billy Epler wanted things to operate and how the Angels operated. So it was basically a year-long job interview. I don't believe that, that when, when Billy hired Osmus uh, in 2017, it was with the idea of him being the next manager because they really didn't know each other. I think he just thought, hey, this is a really good baseball guy who doesn't have a job, so let's give him a job and know each other. And I think over the year, they really kind of clicked. And you know, when they did start the, the process, the interview process, I believe it was a legitimate process. They weren't you know, just – show that they talked to these other nine people, but, uh, you know, Osmus obviously sort of came into it with the answer key a little bit because he knew Billy 
the best of any of the guys. And, uh, you know, I think that they, they really hit it off. And it's going to be interesting to see uh, what, if anything, is really different with the Angels now with a different manager. But, uh, you know, I think it will be uh, definitely interesting to have somebody, a different voice at the helm. Yeah, it will. And, you know, it's one of those things that's kind of, it's kind of surprising to see that a guy like Sosha, who was a catcher, um, was replaced by another catcher in Brad Osmus. And then you have in that same division, you have AJ Hinch, who was a catcher for, in the major leagues. Is there a trend around baseball that to hire catchers because they're kind of the quarterbacks, so to speak, of the or they're the on-field managers and therefore they kind of dig in the deepest in terms of every situation to know in games. Is there kind of a feeling around baseball that more catchers are going to start to be hired? I don't know if you can really call that a trend because I think it's been going on for about 75 years. So I think that throughout baseball history, the catchers have been the guys who have become managers the most. And uh, I don't know if it's increased, but as long as I've been watching baseball, uh, it seems like most managers are catchers. Yeah, and it, it's just it seems like it's an interesting trend. Um, that's you're right, and catchers have been been managers a lot lately throughout the last seventy five to one hundred years of baseball. But it seems it seems interesting that there's at least three of them right now in the majors. Let's switch Let's switch gears here. Let's talk a little bit about the best player in the world, and that's obviously Mike Trout. Um, had a good year last year. What team looking for the same thing this year? Are they looking for a little bit more out of him? What are they looking for from Mike Trout coming into 2019? Uh, I mean, he pretty much, you know, we – his years that are better or worse than other years are very by a small amount. They're all pretty much the same. So I think that as long as he's healthy, uh, they're going to get the same thing out of him. Now, now last year he missed about three weeks because he had a uh, wrist injury, I believe. And so, you know, if they, and the year before that he missed uh, about six weeks when he uh, tore a ligament in his thumb. So if they get him for a whole year without missing any time, then obviously that's going to be an improvement. And if you can improve on Mike Trout, then you're in pretty good shape. Well, and it would be it would be pretty it would be pretty nice if they could. He, this 2018 year was was very good. Uh, it was probably a down year in terms of RBIs by Trout standards, but it was still very good. It was a three he had 312, 39 home runs, 79 RBIs with a on base of 460. That's a lot of home runs and not a lot of RBIs. Is is Brad Osmus's focus going to kind of be to try and try and get more guys on base for Mike Trout and for Albert Pujols and for some of the run producers? Or is he just going to kind of yeah, take I mean, what he what he gets from Trout? Well, I think that's Billy Epler's strategy for the offense is to get as much on base percentage as he can get. And uh, obviously that leads to more guys on base in front of Mike Trout. So they have a, an interesting kid who's going to get a chance to be the everyday second baseman named Luis Rengifo. And uh, he had a 399 on base percentage in the minors last year at three levels. So if that can translate and he can, you know, even get on base at a 340 clip in the major leagues and he can hit leadoff and he's also very fast, that could be a really nice addition for the Angels. But he's never played in the big league so far. He's probably third on the depth chart at second base going into spring training. 
So uh, he, he has a little work to do, but if he does emerge into that role, it could definitely help him. Now, Jeff, let's let's switch gears a little bit here. Let's talk about you personally. How did you end up becoming a beat writer? Uh, well, when I was about 14 years old, I decided that going to medical school was too much work. So uh, I decided uh, somebody has to watch baseball and get paid for it. So that's what I wanted to do, and that's pretty much what I've been uh, focused on, what I was focused on ever since. And I started off covering baseball in Major League Baseball in 1997, I've been doing it ever since. You work for the Orange County Register. When you is there a stigma out there that that people only read newspapers online, like they only read the digital version, and people say, "Oh, why do you write for a newspaper? Newspapers are kind of dying out." What do you say to people that that have that kind of mind frame that, oh, people only read stuff that's online. They don't actually read a newspaper anymore. Uh, well, it doesn't bother me if they read it online or in the newspaper. It's the same thing as far as I'm concerned. So people that say, I don't want the newspaper. I just want to read it online. Well, it's the same product. It's just the manner in which you're consuming it. So, uh, you know, what we have to do is convince people that they still should pay for it, even though they read it online because they're getting the same, product as they would get if they picked up the paper. And even if they don't want the paper, they're still getting a product. So that's the uh, the issue that we have right now. Now you guys have, you guys have been kind of behind the Astros and the athletics for the last, you know, three or four years. The athletics obviously are, are an interesting story in baseball because last year they had the lowest payroll in baseball and Chris Davis led me enjoying baseball, I think with 46 or 47 home runs. And you guys spent a lot of money on Pujols and Trout years ago. And it didn't seem like it, it didn't, it wasn't paying off in terms of playoff appearances. Talk to me about how the team justifies all that spending in terms of, well, we have, we have this guy who's the best player in the world. He's Mike Trout, and we're trying to build around him. And kind of how how it could have been, how it could be looked at as kind of rebuilding, but not a total tear down. Yeah. Well, uh, first of all, they, you know, a lot of the the spending was Albert Pools and Josh Hamilton, and I think those things were pretty much driven by the owner Artie Moreno. He likes to make a splash and wanted to, to get the big the big thing on the market, and he did. And I think after those deals, neither one of which has worked out great, they sort of scaled back and they said, all right, maybe it's not such a good idea to try to just buy players, you know, that are past their prime and pay that much for them. So they really haven't made any huge signings at all since then. Uh, they did uh, sign Justin Upton to an extension. Uh, they gave him $100 million dollars. But uh, otherwise, they pretty much have stayed sort of low profile because they're trying to build a farm system because that's the way that Billy Upper believes that you can have a, a sustained winning product is to do it through a strong farm system. And so it's sort of the, the difference between if you want to try to lose 10 pounds in two weeks and just don't eat anything, but then it's just going to come right back, or else trying to lose one pound a week for 10 weeks, which I think the Angels are doing now the more uh, – slow, steady plan. So uh, it's kind of disappointing to some fans that want to see them go from, you know, zero to a hundred all of a sudden, you know, especially with Mike Trout only having two years left. 
but I think the Angels feel like that they have to do it in a more uh, a more disciplined uh, more disciplined way to to make it sustainable. You brought up an interesting point, and that's Mike Trout's got two years left. Whether they make the playoffs or not, um, do you see Mike Trout signing an extension either next off season or the off season before he's hits the free agent market? And if and if so, what kind of ballpark number is he going to get? I actually think that there's a decent chance that he signs an extension this off season. Um, I think that once Manny Machado and Bryce Harper's deals are in the books, that sort of sets the talking point to begin with for Trout. <clears throat> I think the Angels want to sign him. I think money is not going to be an object. They're going to give him whatever money he wants. You know, he's obviously going to get the biggest contract in history. Uh, it's probably going to be $400 million plus. And uh, so it really comes down to, does Mike Trout want to play for the Angels for the next 10 or 11 years? And, you know, Obviously, the Angels and Mike Trout would both have loved to have won some more in past years, but when he's deciding from 2021 through 2030 where he's going to be, you know, it, it matters most how what kind of shape the Angels are going to be in for those years. You know, if they had gone all out to, to be great in 2019, but then they had no farm system and they couldn't spend any more money the rest of the years, that doesn't necessarily help Mike Trout from 2021, 2024, 2026, all those other years. So I think that's the, the reason they're trying to, to do it in a sustainable way. And I think as long as Mike Trout likes playing for the Angels, they treat him very well, the fans treat him great, uh, and the Angels make a fair financial offer, I think there's a chance that he signs it. Uh, I don't think they'll trade him under any circumstances because the only way that you can really trade him is if you know that there's zero chance of signing him and there's zero chance of winning in the two years you have left of him. And I don't think that both of those situations are going to come to fruition. So I think he's going to be an angel for at least the next two years and uh, probably a lot longer. Do you think he's ends up when his career is said and done the day he retires, is he, will he have been a Los Angeles angel for his entire career? Uh, It's hard to say. It certainly doesn't happen very often, but when it does happen, it's, it's guys like him, uh, you know, I think it's possible. Uh, okay. I would probably say if you put a gun to my head, probably no, just because it's more likely than not that he won't. But uh, I think there's also a very reasonable chance that he does play his whole career with the Angels. Now, when you guys, when when you look at the Angels kind of on, on the whole, you, you mentioned one thing um, at the start of the show, and that was their farm system. It seemed like they. you mentioned the Josh Hamilton and the Albert Pujol signings, and it seems like they've made a lot of trades where they've really kind of given up a lot in their farm system to acquire players. How is the, how is the rebuilding of the farm system gone? Because that, that can be a process that, you know, you can't exactly fix in one year even with a good draft. Yeah, they, when Billy Upper took over, they were dead last pretty much consensus dead last and there was a gap between last and second to last. They were a very bad farm system, which led to a lot of other problems that they had, not just because they didn't have good young players, but because they were having to uh, replace so many guys at the major league level all the time 
that it just it leads to a whole bunch of bad things. So anyway, what they've gotten to now is they really haven't traded away any significant players from their farm system. Since Billy Epler's very first trade was they traded John Newcomb for Angleton Simmons. John Newcomb obviously has been pretty good for the Braves, but I don't think the Angels would reverse that trade because Angleton Simmons has been very good for them too. Since then, they haven't traded anybody of significance. They haven't really given up any draft picks. By signing free agents, they've gone uh, over their spending limit for the draft, I think, three out of the four years. They've spent a lot internationally that they weren't spending before. They've changed a lot of the ways that they develop the players, just in terms of the coaching philosophies and the, the nutrition and all kinds of things to kind of get uh, more juice out of the orange, I believe is the way Billy Upload puts it. So, you know, to take the players they already have and make them better. And right now they're probably industry consensus is they're maybe ninth, 10th, 11th in the majors. So in a few years, they go from 30th to about 10th. I think that they really feel like if they just keep on this course and can get into the top five, but then they'll be really primed to, to have a solid team for, you know, an extended period of years. Absolutely. And that is a great way to wrap things up here. Jeff, thank you very much for joining me today. I'll let you get back to whatever you've got planned for today. I really appreciate you giving me a half an hour out of your time and giving some, giving some insight into the angels season, their free agent, their free agent pickups, their new manager and everything else that we talked about. Thank you very much. And I really appreciate you coming on the show. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Angels beat writer Jeff Fletcher. He works in the Orange County Register. He is, like he said, he's been covering baseball for over 20 years. He wanted to get, he wanted to watch baseball and get paid for it, and he thought, what a better way to do it than to be a beat writer. It'll be interesting to, the one thing that I thought that was interesting that Jeff really pointed out was the fact that Mike Trout might sign an extension this offseason. He's got two years left. You don't see a lot of players sign deals, sign extensions with more than two years left, especially the kind of deal Trout's probably going to sign. I mean, if you're looking at an eight- or ten-year deal in the 400, $420, 450000000 dollars range, or even a 12-year deal, you're still looking at well over 40, well over 35 million dollars a season. So it'll be interesting to see. I I think that uh, I think Jeff's right in that the the Machado and Harper deals are going to kind of be the starting point and the jumping off point for any Mike Trout deals. And I also agree with him. I don't think Mike Trout gets traded. There were some rumblings of it, or you know, ESPN had written a few articles in the last couple of years, what would it take to trade Mike Trout? What would trade scenarios look like? I don't think it happens. I agree with Jeff. I think the he loves being an angel. I think the Angels fan base loves having him. I think Artie Moreno loves having him. And I think they'll do whatever they need to do, and they should. He, he's by far the best player in baseball. He's on a Hall of Fame caliber career. He could go down as one of the five best players of all time. This was a special New Year's Eve Day episode of the show about the show. Thank you guys so much for joining me in 2018 for this podcast. I will be starting up episodes again here soon with episode 46, which will be the first episode of season two. And I hope you guys can join me for that. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Also, next year, 
2019, I'm going to do some giveaways. Um, if you leave reviews, if you get, if you help me find guests, all that kind of stuff, we're going to do some fun giveaways. So make sure you're listening. We're going to do code words and we're going to do um, phrases you need to tweet. So thank you guys very much. I appreciate it. And we'll see you down the road in podcast land. Happy New Year. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 